to tell somebody, God is good no matter what. No matter what, God is good. I mean, if you want to get your Bible out, I'm going to be going to the Gospel of Mark here shortly. But I'd like to give, I don't know if it's a disclaimer or a warning. What we are um, going to talk about tonight is something we need to know. It's something we need to understand the best that we can. I do think we're limited in how well we can understand it. But, and here's the part I want you to pay attention to. This is not something to obsess over. What I'm going to talk about tonight, this is not something you need to lay in bed and worry about. This is not something when the lights go off you need to worry about. If you do, then you need to know who Jesus is. What I'm going to talk about tonight is very serious. But we don't need to obsess over it, okay? And I'll describe that more in a moment. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to Mark chapter 5. This is where Jesus comes to town, meets a gentleman who is full of the devil. He goes by the name of Legion in some of the Gospels. And it is time for Jesus to tell Legion to go. And let's look at verse 10. They have a conversation, which is never really a good thing to have with the devil, but, you know, when you're Jesus, you can get away with this. Verse 10, and he, referring to the devils, besought him much that he would not send them away, watch this, out of the country. Now, let that sink in. He didn't say, don't send me out of the man. He said, don't send me out of the country. That's like a devil saying, don't kick me out of East Liverpool. You can cast me out of all these people you want to, but don't make me leave town. Talk to you tonight for a little bit on this topic, cosmic geography. Let's pray. Lord, anoint the word, ears to hear, the mouth that brings it. I'm just a vessel. I only want to say what you would have said, no more, no less. Let us leave here with conviction and understanding that greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You can be seated. I can't help it. I've got to read that again. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. So, looks to me like this is a geographical thing. And the devil says, it's my territory. Whether I'm in this man, or I'm in that woman, or I'm in those pigs, this is my territory. And what's that tell you about the devil or demons? Or, and we're going to come back to those terms in a minute. What does that tell you about them? They want to be in something. Now, that's weird. As a child growing up, I always thought it was weird. Why do these demons want to be in people? But they just don't want to be in people. They'll even be in animals. Gotten the pigs. According to some studies, well over 2,000 pigs ran in the water that day. Now, there were exorcists before Christ, during the time of Christ, and after. Sons of Sceva, for example. And they used to have these routines. And they would tell these demons to get into pots. And they'd tell these demons to get into vases. 
Or they'd tell these demons to get into these hollow sticks. And they'd use potpourri and dung and all kinds of these weird things to get these demons out. Josephus writes a lot about this in his writings. And there's other Jewish writings. Certain rabbis were famous for this. When they accused Jesus of casting out devils in the name of Beelzebub, he said, well, whom do your children cast them out? So exorcisms were pretty common. But what set Jesus apart? He didn't need potpourri. He didn't need dung, thank God. He didn't need these weird little vessels. He just spoke and said, go. And they had to go, like it or not. They may negotiate with him, but when he said go, they had to go. But this is the one demon or group of demons that said, hey, we don't want to leave the country. Now, we've seen something similar to this before in the Old Testament. Uh, there's a lot of scriptures I'm going to go through tonight, but I'm not going to have all of them on the screen. This one I do have on the screen is Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. Daniel's been praying 21 days, trying to get an answer from God. Gabriel, an angel, shows up. One of the few angels in the Bible we actually get a name for. Gabriel shows up and says, hey, your prayer went through the first day, but the response got hindered. Catch that. Your prayer went through day one. Response got hindered. What happened? Verse 13 of Daniel 10 says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. But lo, Michael, here's another angel we get a name for. Notice who he is, one of the chief princes. Therefore, these princes are not humans. He's one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Here's what that verse is saying. That is in the King James vernacular. We'll talk about the King James vernacular in a minute. What that is saying is this. Gabriel is saying, I went to answer your prayer straight from heaven, and when I showed up, there was this other prince that was stronger than me. If he wasn't, then how come Gabriel couldn't get through? But he said, I had to call the boss of princes, Michael. And when Michael came, then I got through and I delivered your message. That's exactly what that verse is saying. So here we have an Old Testament and a New Testament that's saying, these spirits are not only wanting people, they're wanting territory. So how in the world did this happen? How did we get there? The King James Bible, which is the version I prefer, maybe you don't, but that's the version I prefer, it's in English. And most of you are probably reading an English Bible tonight. If any of you have Aramaic, Hebrew, or Akkadian, or anything like that, your Kung Fu is much better than mine. But what I'm saying is we have an English Bible. We have the Word of God, but we don't have the exact words of God. The exact words of God did not get spoken in English. I heard a man one time say, the King James Bible is good for me because that was good for Paul. Well, he was an idiot. Because Paul did not have the King James Version. Paul had the Greek. Paul had the Septuagint. You can study Paul's writings and tell if he's quoting from Hebrew and Greek even. So we lose some things. But what we discover is this. Even in the Old Testament, when we read it, we don't hear a lot about demons in the English Bible. We don't hear a lot about, about these possessions and things. And here's why. Because it gets lost in translation. When you look up words like pestilence, when you look up words like terror, when you look up even animal names like screech owl in Isaiah 34, when you look those up in the Hebrew, they're names. They're the names of idols. They're the names of gods. And that's what they were known for, pestilence and terror. So when those passages were written, they were inserting the name of idols. Why were they inserting the names of these idols and gods? Because notice what Paul says in 1 Kings 10 20 talking
talking about idols. He said that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. Paul is saying those are not just idols. Those are not just gods. They're devils. And Paul is not making this up. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 32, 17. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not. To new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. In other words, all of those idols, they're not imaginary things that God invented. All of those idols were not just cute little stories that were passed along from generation to generation. Paul and the writer of the Old Testament Deuteronomy says, they are devils. They are demons. Now what's going on here? If you get into the Hebrew, and I'm just going to touch this and get away from it because it's a whole different topic. But if you get into the Hebrew in Deuteronomy 32, Moses or whoever wrote it starts talking about from the times of Adam all the way up to their times. When the earth was separated, which took place when the languages were divided at Babel. And what took place there was the earth was divided by language. God sent them out and he appointed spiritual rulers over these nations nations and he simply said I'm backing away and I'm going to wait on Abraham and I'm going to deal with him so all these nations were ruled not just by human kings and queens if they had those they were being ruled by what the Bible calls the sons of God which were some type of angel and they were in charge of what went on in that country and it was divided up into territories But here's what happened somehow. These spirits that were given charge of the territory started saying, you're going to worship us. Boy, it's quiet. You either hate it or like it. Boy, you're going to worship us. And they start making images of Baal. And they start twisting the stories of truth. And before you know it, instead of Noah, you get Gilgamesh. And before you know it, instead of Moses, you get other things. And they start twisting the story. But God's over here waiting on a guy by the name of Abraham. Now, there's a cool thing about God. Throughout the scriptures, they refer to him in the Hebrew as Elohim. That is not a name. Elohim pretty much means spirit. God is a spirit. When you look up the word gods in the Old Testament, it's Elohim. When the witch was calling up Samuel out from the grave, she said, I see what looks like gods coming out of the ground. I see what looks like Elohim coming out of the ground. When they built that golden calf it was called an Elohim there were all these spirits that existed with God but when they're talking about the God they put an article in their language so that you know we're not talking about just any Elohim we're talking about the Elohim and if you want to check me out on this be sure to read David Bernard's book The Oneness of God it's in there people just don't see it Elohim. And then they go back to Genesis where he created people. And he says, let us make man in our image. There's a ton of scholars coming out now saying that has nothing to do with the Trinity. Michael Heisner is one of the main ones that's blasting them. That has nothing to do with the Trinity. That is God talking to a spiritual council. And I'll show you in the Bible. Because when in the book of Job, when it starts, the sons of God come together. These are not human beings. They are spiritual beings. And Satan came also. The Satan in the Hebrew is what that says. Came also. And they're having a chat. When it comes 
comes time for Ahab to die. There is a council meeting. And God meets with these spirits. And says it's time for Abraham to die. How's he going to do it? And all these spirits start throwing out options. And one of them says, I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets and make him die. And God said, so be it. When you get to the book of Daniel, only passage in the King James, there's a little thing in there called a watcher. He's some type of angelic being. He'd been watching Nebuchadnezzar. He went back and reported to God that Nebuchadnezzar was a bad boy. And thus, God listened to the watcher. The watcher pronounced a sentence on Nebuchadnezzar. God agreed with it. And the man became a beast for seven years. There are all kinds of spirits and supernatural beings that are around us 24-7, 365 days a year. But I want to tell you something right now. None of them can match the God that we serve. And that God's name is Jesus. So something happens. Something takes place. And I believe, this is my opinion, and I, if you think it's, it's a bunch of uh, whatever, then you don't have to believe it. I think the Bible has more than one fall, spiritual fall. I really don't think Satan's fall was the one that messed everything up. And I think a lot of what we say about the fall of Satan is made up because you can't find it in the Bible. You can't find a lot of this stuff about the story of Satan. But you can find it in Paradise Lost, written by John Milton, which is an epic poem, beautiful poem, read it, but it sure ain't gospel. We don't know a lot about Satan. We don't know a lot about the adversary. We just know bits and pieces. But Isaiah may have talked about him and said he dwelt in the mountain of God. When Ezekiel might have talked about him, he said you were in Eden, you were in the fire on the mountain of God. This begins to let us know that the Garden of Eden was probably more than we ever thought it was. It was the valley at the foot of a mountain that extended into God's heaven. This is exactly what they were trying to build in Babel, another mountain of God. They have found all kinds of towers inscribed on them. The mountain of God. The mountain of God. We can't recreate Eden. But I know a God who one day will. There is a mountain of God and humanity was at the valley in the garden and God would visit them during different times of the day. And all of a sudden, there's a snake that shows up. But what's weird is if you study the word seraphim, which is an angel, it's closely related to snake. I'm beginning to think Eve didn't talk to some animal. I'm beginning to think there was some type of Elohim there. Some type of spirit. Some type of spirit that had free will. Angels are not robots. They got a mind and they can think just like us. And he must too have not liked that God took a bunch of mud and made something out of it that had a closer relationship to God than it did. And it starts saying, you want to be like God? Why don't you do this? You want to be like God? Why don't you do that? And when he got kicked out, he was told the dust is going to be what you eat. And when you study that term out, it could very well mean Sheol, which means you're going straight to the pit for what you did. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what stands before God, it will lose. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible talks about angels. That's at the bottom. 
Angel's not a name. It's like Christ. Christ is not a name. Christ just means anointed one. Angel means messenger. This is why Gabriel could not handle what he faced because he's just a messenger. That's like putting a mailman on the front lines without training. He's going to throw letters. (laughs) Gabriel wasn't made for... Gabriel was made to show up and deliver messages. Unlike a lot of preachers today who will pack guns to the platform, and if it gets too bad, they'll tell you about Jesus, preach to you about Jesus, and then send you to meet him. That's not how Gabriel operated. Michael, he fights. And when Michael showed up, Gabriel got through. You have cherubims, you have seraphims. Cherubims, the way they're described, I don't know if that's how they'll look when we get to heaven, but they set before the throne, they are guards. And you don't approach God, they keep you away. What did he put at the entry of Eden? A cherubim. It wasn't a cute little fat baby with wings. That come along way down the road. And it had a flaming sword and it made sure you don't go back to the mountain of God. Where was Sinai? Mountain. Where's Zion? A mountain. Where did all the people like to put their gods? On a mountain. But only one God is on the true mountain of God. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls, when they were found, they discovered four psalms specifically for exorcisms. And you know what? One of them is in our Bible. This is what shocked people. So this tells you, even in the Old Testament, they were aware of a spiritual war going on. And it was for territory. Naaman, why don't you go see Elisha? He's in touch with God. He'll pray for you and he'll heal you of that leprosy. Okay. Go down to that muddy Jordan. Dip seven times. I ain't doing it. Where I'm from, the water's clear. I serve the God so-and-so. and We're a rich, fat people. We don't do stuff like that. Well, then go home. You know what, Naaman? If he told you to do something fancy, you'd have done it. Go dip. So he dips. And guess what happens after that seventh dip? He's healed. And Naaman comes back with all this gold and says, I want to I give you this. And Elisha says, nope. So he takes the gold away. And here's the part of the story we always skip. Uh, Elisha, can I get something from you? What? I want as much dirt from this land as two mules will carry. And I'm taking it home with me. Why? Because this is God's country. And I'm taking God's country back to where I live. Into the territory of a demon. And I'm going to spread it in my house. And I'm going to spread it under my bed. And even when I take my king to worship in that temple to whatever we call it. I'm going to spread where I stand. Because this is the soil that a real God came in contact with me. 
and I'm taking it with me. When you got down, I don't care where, what church, wherever you was, and you got filled with the Holy Ghost, that's exactly what you did. You did what Naaman did. You got up and you took what you found in that holy place, that sacred space, and you went home and you took it home and you announced to every devil and every demon in your territory, I don't belong to you no more. Greater is He that's in me. And when I walk this earth, I don't walk this earth like I used to walk it. I'm not going to the bar anymore. I'm not going to the strip house anymore. I'm not going to the drug house anymore. I'm not gambling anymore. I'm going to church and I'm going to lift up the name that is above every day. Greater is He that is in me. Name His wife. What you doing? I got dirt. Dirt. We got plenty of dirt. Yeah, but that dirt belongs to something that I don't worship anymore. Wait, what do you mean? We got plenty of dirt. He's carrying it into that temple. What are you doing? And I bet he looked right at the face of that idol and said, it knows what I'm doing. Because see, when they built an idol, they had ceremonies. And one of them that is just weird is called the opening of the mouth. The opening of the mouth ceremony is where they rigged the mouth of the idol and began to pray that the God, what the Bible calls a demon, would come in and possess that idol. So you could destroy the idol. You did not destroy the deity. The deity, they built another one. But they would pray. So whenever Moses is walking into Egypt, those plagues were uncomfortable. But you know what was going on there? That was war. That was God walking into territory that was not supposed to be His and saying, you want to kill my children? Watch. Wood turning into snakes. Water turning into blood. Lice coming out of dust. Frogs coming out of everywhere. Darkness so thick you couldn't see your fingers in front of your face. All kinds of pestilence. But the last one. Pharaoh takes my kids. I take Pharaoh's. And he served notice on every deity in Egypt. You can't stop me. And when they chase them down to that Red Sea shore and they're complaining, God just tells Moses, be quiet. Quiet. Whoosh! Fire in the background. Water and wind. Took them all night to get on the other side. Then whenever Pharaoh's army gets in there, the water comes down and kills them all. And they begin to sing a song, God is a mighty man of war. Let me tell you, folks, every time somebody is baptized, it's a battle over territory. Every time you come to church, it's a battle over territory. Every time somebody gets the Holy Ghost, it's a battle over territory. The devil wants this town, but I come here in the name of Jesus to declare a message. You're going to get your butt out of here because greater is He that is in me. Sorry. Greater is He that's in me. Greater 
When you leave here tonight, you need to be like Naaman. You need to take all this Jesus with you as you can. Because some of you are going to go home and you're going to be surrounded by cussing and drinking and thieving and heartache and disbelief and all kinds of garbage telling you you're wrong and you shouldn't be coming. You need to stand up with righteous indignation and tell them I don't belong to you. I was purchased with a price by the blood of Jesus Christ. I feel like putting hell out with a squirt gun. What are we going to do? The darkness is scary. It's pestilence. Somebody bring me a psalm. And the one psalm that's in our Bible that is considered an exorcism psalm is Psalm 91. He that dwells under the shadow of the Most High. Now, there's a, there's a phrase in there. You won't have to be afraid of the terror by night. Study it out. That was a demon that walked the night that they believed in. Or the arrow by day. Sounds kind of like them fiery darts of the devil, don't it? Or the pestilence that even walks at night. This belief was carried on throughout the years. And when the Bible started coming out in English, this blew my mind. There was a guy by the name of Wycliffe. Now, Wycliffe, he made the Catholic Church mad when he started pumping out the Bible into English. Because that meant everybody could start fact-checking the priest. Hey, the Bible don't say anything about us giving you money to save our soul. Bible don't say anything about us going into a little dark room and telling you all our dirty, dark secrets. We starting to think you a little messed up, dude, if you want to hear this stuff all day. When Wycliffe translated it, he turned the pestilence that walks at night into the goblin that walks at night. Because in Wickless Day, they believed in fairies, they believed in elves, and they believed in goblins. If you ever read Saucer's Canterbury Tales, which you should, read it to your children. When you get to the wife of Bath, she tells a story. And she says, we used to have all kinds of creatures like that here until the minister showed up. Now they're gone. How prevalent was it? You know anybody... Anybody know someone by the name of Alfred? I'm not talking about the butler. Anybody here named Alfred? You know what that name means? It means elf council. Because in the old English, elf wasn't E-L-F. It was Alf, A-L-F. Not the TV show. You know anybody named Alvin? That means elf friend. Alvin could sing, I am a friend of elves. I am a friend of elves. I am a friend of elves. Christmas rocks. They believe these things. Because throughout the years, all the devil does is he begins to camouflage into whatever people will accept him as. Now see, the enlightenment got a hold of us centuries ago. And now we're like supernatural here and natural over here. Back then, it was all the same. It was all the same. There wasn't no separation between supernatural and the natural. It was all the same. And you had 
satyrs, which were part human, part goat. You had centaurs, which were part human and part horse. That's got to be a rough marriage right there. Hmm? Baby, if you don't shut up, I'm going to turn you into glue. You'll get that in the morning. There's even some words in the Bible that you might could translate into donkey satyr. I'm not lying. It's in the Hebrew. The vampire is in the Hebrew. It's a horse leech in proverb, but in the Hebrew, it's vampire. Whatever the devil wanted to use and they would accept, he used it. You want to build some big ugly thing tell me to possess it? Okie dokie. You want to sit around and talk about vampires and have fun with vampires? I'll <laughs> see you later. You want to mess around with werewolves? Were means human, human wolves. You want to mess around with that? Go right ahead. The Greeks believed, I've got the book at home. The Greeks believed that if you were a werewolf, after you died, you became a vampire. Your soul, because they believed you had a soul, it left, and demons possessed your body and got you up at night. And uh, some of the vampires just cooked food for their families. That's not a good movie, is it? Other vampires are still horses. Other vampires would kill. And they have dug these people up and found them buried in certain positions, and they all know the myths and know they buried this person thinking he or she was a vampire. Jesus is talking to one man has got a legion of spirits in him. If that's a literal legion, that's a lot of spirits. It's amazing how much junk can get in your body. But it took one God to get all them out. And then they had to say, may we please have some pigs. And he was in their territory. Those pigs used to be theirs. But they knew, hmm, ain't ours anymore. May we have some pigs. Go. What are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying is this. There's cosmic geography, and I believe when the book of Acts started, God had a plan. This is why He said, go ye into all the earth. Go ye into all the world. I don't care what kind of crazy stuff you run into. I don't care what kind of myths you run into. I don't care what kind of gods you run into. I don't care what kind of devils you run into. you got a message to preach. And everybody you baptize, you defeat them. And everybody you pray through the Holy Ghost, you defeat them. And every church you build, you defeat them. And every home you teach a Bible study to, you defeat them you take territory from them now they're smart some passages call them the knowing ones but they don't know everything because if they knew everything he would not have died on the cross and the angels don't know everything because they look at what we do and they wonder. And Paul said in Ephesians, we're teaching them. As a body of believers, we teach them. They're figuring this out watching us. So every time we come to church, there's angels watching. There's demons watching. Okay? It still works. Okay? I guess we still can't gain territory here. Or, ooh, ten people not here today. And that person hadn't been here in a while. Let's go to their house. And when they show up in your house, there you are. Oh, 
Nobody likes me. Nobody cares for me. Nobody knows I exist. And there's a whole bunch of demons going, we know. I spent some time with T.W. Barnes. I don't know if you know that name. He's been back, uh, gone for a long time down in Louisiana. I got to spend some time with him. And he believed that your five senses were five gateways for devils. And I tend to agree with that. But the devil cannot kick the door open. He has to be invited in. That's where he's like a vampire. You have to invite him in. The devil don't force his way into your marriage. You want to bring pornography into the marriage? He's coming with it. Hmm? You want to have an open marriage? Well, he's going to open it up more than you wanted him to. You want to fuss and fight all the time and ignore each other? That's you cracking the door and letting him in. But whenever you men and women can suck it up, Bible says agree with your adversary quickly. Boy, we're, why aren't we preaching that more often? Agree with your adversary quickly. So whenever you suck it up, I don't care, man, if it was not your fault. You go tell that woman that at one time you would have killed half the earth to just touch. I'm sorry. And when you do that, devil's just like, If they keep apologizing and loving each other, that, see, that's Christ-like, and devils don't like that stuff. When you act Christ-like, they don't like it. When you quit holding grudges, the devil's getting nervous. When you start coming to church and not giving a flip what people think about you, the devil's getting nervous. When you come to church and keep singing, even though it's off-key, the devil's getting nervous. They don't like it because that means you've got a made-up mind that you're going all the way. Devils don't like it. Because you're acting like Jesus. So Jesus shows up. You know, and everybody says, well, you know, Jesus wasn't about casting out them devils. And we don't need to tell people that was the main part of Jesus. Well, <laughs> let's look at some stuff that Jesus said. They tell Jesus, uh, you need to quit what you're doing because Herod essentially is going to get mad. His response in Luke 13, 32, uh, you go tell that fox, behold, I cast out devils. First thing he says. First thing he says. I think he's letting Herod know, I'll come up here and cast yours out too. Then, Luke eleven twenty. But if I, with the finger of God, notice what he says, cast out devils. No doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying, I'm casting them out and my kingdom's coming in. In other words, Jesus was equating these exorcisms he was doing with the eschaton, the belief in the last days that the kingdom of God was going to be on the earth. He was believing this is exactly what's happening. When you get to the book of Revelation, he's finally cast off the earth, put in that bottomless pit and gone. And he says, every devil I cast out is a preview. Every devil I cast out is a hint. Every devil I cast out is just you getting a taste of what's to come. Because they all told him, did you come to torment us before our time? We didn't think it's time yet. Oh, it's a preview. And after this whole finger of God statement, that's when he gets into his little parable about a strong man. He says if, the, if, if a strong man knew that a stronger man was coming, he'd be on the roof waiting on him. I was born 
in a manger. I was raised up partially in Egypt and in Nazareth. For 30 some odd years, you didn't hear a peep out of me. I was building stuff. And then one day I stumbled into a baptism and was baptized by my cousin who couldn't believe what he saw coming on me. Ain't that a, a revelation? You being at a family reunion, all of a sudden you realize that cousin you didn't like is the son of God. Hmm? And then he goes off to be tempted. And what does the devil tell him? If you worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms. The devil, this is what he wants. The devil wants to be God so bad that he will surrender everything that he has to him because he knows the moment he bows down and the moment that he worships me is still mine. I didn't lose it. I gained more than what I had. So it's a territory grab. And with that statement, Jesus was letting them know the devil does not see what's coming. These spirits do not see what's coming. Everybody's going to think I'm just a great little teacher. Everybody's going to debate on what the historical Jesus was like. Everybody's going to mock and make fun. But you know what? In storefronts across the world, in bathrooms and bedrooms across the world, the Holy Ghost is going to be falling and people are going to be in invading territory that's why he said these works and greater works shall you do what he means is there's just one person doing it now they're going to be a whole bunch of them doing it later and the devil's going to be wondering what's growing on i'll tell you what's going on he's going to lose the cosmic battle because when the story ends we win he takes his disciples to Caesarea, caesarea philippi at the base of Mount Hermon. You want a fun time? Read about Mount Hermon. He takes them to a place where Baal worship was hot at one time. Now it's pan worship. Half goat, half human. They're still finding inscriptions over there to the god Pan. To the great god Pan. Now he's a little cartoon character with a little flute. But back in the day... He was a demonic entity that people worshipped. Now, right there at Mount Hermon was a cave that went kind of underground. And they believed that was an entryway to hell. It's at that spot, Jesus stands up and says, Whom do men say I am? Right in the demon's entryway. Right in front of a gate to hell, according to Greek myth. Whom do men say I am? Oh, some say you Elijah. Some say you this and some say you that. Who do you say I am? And Peter stood up in the court of demons. Demons. See, y'all ain't getting this. Y'all don't believe in these spirits anymore, do you? He is right there surrounded by demons. He's in a demonic temple almost. And says, you are the son of God. And notice the words of Jesus. Flesh and blood didn't show you this. My father did. And upon this rock, 
every demon's ear perked up. I'm going to build my church. Finish it with me. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was standing where they believed a gate to hell was. Today in modern horror, like a portal in your closet that sent you to the bad place. He was standing right there. And I believe he looked right into that cave. One of those caves they thought Zeus may have even been born in. He looked right into that cave and said, The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Fast forward a little bit. It is finished. Finished. Greek word, teleos. Means plan, pretty much. Order. He's dead. But he tells this guy before he dies, today you will be with me in paradise. Who is it? It's the king of glory. Who is this king of glory? Because they didn't know this was what's going to happen. Lift up your head, all you gates. For the king of glory is going to come in. I ask, who is this king of glory? The king of glory, the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord, strong and mighty in battle. Go get the boss. He's outside. No, he dead. No, he outside. No, he dead. He's outside. He's supposed to be here. Let me in. And when he came in, there was this paradise. Because I don't think anybody went to heaven. See, that witch of Endor, she could pull a spirit up in the Old Testament. That stuff's done with now. And I'm going to tell you why it's done with. Because the Apostle Paul, when he spoke to death, he spoke to death like it was a person. Oh, death, where is your sting? He's quoting the Old Testament. Paul quotes the Old Testament a whole bunch. The Greek word for death is Thanatos. Thanatos is the Greek god of death. Look it up. Oh, Thanatos, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? They have found tables where the worship of Pluto was done. Pluto eventually became Hades because Hades got so associated with hell and the grave that no longer did they call that god Hades, they called him Pluto. And Pluto always had keys. And it was said that when Pluto locked you in your grave, you weren't coming out. But Revelation says when Jesus come out, he said, Now all power is given unto me, both in heaven and earth, because I have conquered death, hell, and the grave, and I got the keys. Jesus is going to meet that devil on whatever level that scrawny devil's on and let him know you can't stop me. You can have scary stories. You can have ugly demons. You can have all kinds of horror and gore. But when Jesus shows up and the light comes on and he speaks the word, the enemy is going down. Victory shall be ours. 
Well, then I'm going to run out and start casting me out some devils. Whoa! Well, go ahead. But it's not fun in games. Sons of Sceva tried and they got beat up. Even Jesus did it and a man fell dead. The Bible says he fell as dead. And Jesus had to go work with him. Demons don't want to leave. Because they don't want to give up territory. I share this very cautiously with you. But there used to be a young lady who came to a Bible study. Turned into the first church we ever pastor. My wife and I were just teenagers. I used to listen to her worship. And I tell my wife, that ain't right. Worship should sound joyful. She don't sound joyful. What do you think's wrong? I don't know. But something wrong. Because when you shout for Jesus, it shouldn't sound like it hurts. And she sounded like something was just ripping apart inside of her. And if you turned the lights off and you heard this girl shout, it'd make the hair stand up on your head. Even with the lights on, it made the hair stand up on your head. Even Brother Allen's hair on his head would stand up if he heard that one. God bless you, brother. So I was doing a revival. I don't know, I was 18, 19 years old. Pretty good revival, way out in the boonies. She's at the altar. And I'm like two people down from her praying. And all of a sudden, she gave off this weird gagging sound. And I went, tonight's the night. So I walked up to my wife on the piano. I said, this song, don't change it. Keep playing it until I tell you to quit. Just stay. If we do it all night, we do it all night. We get down, start praying with her. Folks, I stopped counting at 40. She threw up over 40 times on me. And I'm not talking spit up like a baby. This stuff was brown and black and gooey and ooey. And I'd have to get back and breathe because it stunk. And I stopped at 40. I don't know how much more she went, but when that girl got deliverance, you did not have to ask if she got deliverance. You knew she got deliverance. Sadly, by the time she got deliverance, over 120 people went home. It was just hardly anybody there. That church let out like cockroaches in the morning sun. Even the pastor who bragged about casting out devils was gone. He didn't say bye to me. No, he just gone. So we talk with her. She's embarrassed. I asked her, what, what was going on? She goes, every time that you would touch me and you start telling this thing to go, and she says, I kid you not, when you would say Jesus, it felt like something was being dragged out of my guts, and it didn't want to come out. Well, I get that point pretty clear. And me and another guy looked at each other and said, well, let's, uh, let's go clean up the mess. I wasn't going to make her do it. We get up there, and as this microphone covers green, it's gone. Nobody cleaned it up. It was gone. It didn't stain. It didn't smell. It was gone. And I looked at the church and had to put my Egon hat on and say, well, apparently that was a physical manifestation of a spiritual deity. I don't know if that's what it was or not. It was just gone. When you wrestle with devils, some of them will wrestle back. And this is what Jesus said. They like those dry places. And they're described as animals that are not friendly. The screech owl, look that up, it means Lilith. Lilith is who they blame for all their children's deaths. 
Lilith came out of all way, way back into an ancient old mythology. And when you look up Screech Owl in the Hebrew, it means Lilith. And whenever they see those nasty owls and hear them at night, all they could think of is about these demons that were responsible for their kid's death. But they believed their God was greater. You hear about these weird, twisted creatures, and you look at what Babylon made, and you see these creatures out there. They believed they existed. And they believed at night these creatures were out there, these demons were out there and going to come and get them. But they also believed He that dwelled under the shadow of the Almighty would be protected. And that's why I'm telling you, I don't care how ugly it gets. I don't care what the Democrat or the Republican look like. I don't care what the atheist looks like. I don't care what science is saying, because those are the scary demons today. I don't care what they're saying. I don't care what Hollywood's pumping out. This, no, and take it to the bank. This still may be the devil's territory, but he's losing ground every second, every minute, every hour, every day. And the moment that God has repossessed enough of it, there's a trumpet going to sound, and we're going to see something that will boggle the mind you want to know what I think about the last days everybody's trying everybody you know well I ain't gonna call no names I'll get in trouble my wife done gave me a pretty good list of things not to do tonight I'm trying to be good I'm trying I already smacked my bible she don't like that so I'm trying to be good Jesus said you're the salt of the earth Here's my whole theology about the end time. You're the salt of the earth. And when it lost its savor, get rid of it. When does the church no longer have a purpose here? When nobody's repenting, nobody's being baptized, and nobody's getting Holy Ghost. So I don't care if it's the year 4038. If people are still repenting, and people are still being baptized, and people are still getting the Holy Ghost, there'll still be a church here. I don't care if we're in a whole different CAA whatever time zone. It will still be here because that's God letting the devil know. Oh, have you have you considered that guy? Oh, look at him. He's getting the Holy Ghost. You thought you had him, didn't you? That's God letting the powers of be know. You can't destroy my plan. I said upon this rock and I meant upon this rock. I can't help but wonder, what was in the cave that day? What do you mean by that? Well, we knew who he was. Yeah, but he said the gates of hell shall not prevail. You know why these gates are here? So that nothing gets out. What's a gated community for? To keep you in and safe from what's on the other side of the gate. What was Jesus telling them? I'm coming to the heart of your territory. And you tell Thanatos, I'm taking the sting out of his stinger. The Avengers did not defeat Thanos. Jesus did. Because the name Thanos is borrowed from Thanatos. And when you read about the rider on the horse and death rode a pale horse, Thanatos. And Hades followed with him. But you know what's so great? They're under the control of God now. They can only destroy what he gives them permission to. That, that, and that. That, that, and that. And who's he going to destroy? He's going to destroy the ones that he knows didn't want him to start off with. Because the whole time it's going on, they're not repenting. They're yelling, why are you doing this to me? They blame God in the good. So when all hell breaks loose, they're still going to be blaming him. 
That's why when people say, well, what about those that haven't heard? God knows. God knows if they'd accept it or not. And I've preached that here before. God knows if they'd accept it or not. He knows the outcome to every counterfactual. So if you go to hell, there's no blood on God's hands. It's on you. If you want to follow darkness, follow darkness. But I'm going to be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. My home is not devil territory. Everywhere I go, it's not devil territory. What he tell Joshua, everywhere you put your foot, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. You walk right into Cana and you tell all them high shot gods, you are going down. behind these big walls. I mean, chariots race on top. Why are you afraid? We're afraid. And notice what God does. He plays with our faith. How thick those walls are compared to how thin that little scarlet cord was. You leave that cord and you'll be okay. Don't you know when it got to shaking, Rahab was probably wondering, I just don't know if it's going to work. Have you ever felt like you were dangling by a little thread of hope? And every now and then the devil just grabbed it and went, Wee! But the point is, you hold on to it. And when the smoke cleared and the dust settled, Rahab's house was the only part of the wall that still stood. And if you study her name out, she is possibly in the lineage of Jesus Christ. All because of a thread of of hope that's all it takes to beat the devil is a thread of hope just some dirt and go home with it all you need tonight is a good dose of the holy ghost and you will go home a different way than what you came let's stand Somebody needs to be like Naaman. I need to take this, I need to take this home with me. I need to take it home. This, this is important. I, I had a life-changing moment here. Some of you forget what happened to you at this altar. Some of you forget where God brought you from. And you need to get down here and refresh yourself and, and realize that this is a battle. This is a battle, man. And we can have the victory. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to gather around and I want us to pray for this area because I can tell you right now you want to know why all these years some people are not here right now because the devil don't want to give up his territory don't send me out of this country don't send me out of this country you want to know why some of you say it's so hard to get people to church because the devil don't want to get sent out of his country but we need to serve notice on the devil tonight. This is God's. And we claim it in Jesus' name. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I have done all I know to do. I've said all I Isn't the Lord good tonight? Isn't the Lord good tonight? Isn't it great that we can live under the understanding that greater is He that is in me?